Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to this edition of Headlines with Frankie Darcel, a public service show from 105.3 WDAS-FM. We welcome your questions and comments. Join in on the conversation online at WDASFM.com and on our Facebook and Twitter pages. Now here's your host, Frankie Darcel. It's Headlines with Frankie Darcel and joining me from the Philadelphia Sunday Sun, Monica Peters. Hey, Monica, what's happening? Good Sunday morning, Frankie. Always a pleasure to check in with you each and every week for Headlines. This week's cover of the Philadelphia Sunday Sun and issue is dedicated to our legendary late Sun photographer, Robert Mendelssohn. Hundreds gathered on July 31st to pay tribute to Robert, including state and local government officials and loved ones who spoke in honor of Robert's memory. We want to thank Robert for the tremendous legacy that he left the Philadelphia region and for documenting Black Philadelphia for more than two decades. Also on the Sunbeat on Friday, September 13th at the Liberty View at the Independence Visitor Center, Sun publisher Katherine Hicks and Sun co-owner Joseph Mondesire will be honored by the Mid-Atlantic Black Public Relations Society at their annual Power PR conference for being trailblazers in the news industry. Katherine Hicks is one of the few black female publishers in the nation to publish a weekly major news publication in a major news market. And Joseph Mondesire is one of the youngest co-owners in the country to own a major black newspaper in a major news market. Also at the Mid-Atlantic Black PR Society conference, Late Sun photographer Robert Mendelssohn will be honored posthumous, and his sister Judith Marcus will be in attendance at the conference to accept the honor on Robert's behalf. For more information on how to register for the Mid-Atlantic Black PR Society Conference, you can visit uh, Philadelphia Sunday Sun's website to get more information. And to learn more about the Philadelphia Sunday Sun, contact our office at 215-848-7864. Read our exclusive stories online at philosun.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Philadelphia Sunday Sun and on Twitter at Philosun News. This is Monica Peters, social media editor for the Philadelphia Sunday Sun. Frankie, have a fabulous show, a great week, and we'll catch you right back here next Sunday for our headlines. Frankie Darcel with you, and we are, believe it or not, on the downside of summer. We're going to look up, the fall is going to be here, and then the first of the year. And one conversation I have often, and I've been there, done that personally, in terms of getting your financial matters in order, it is so important. More specifically, starting with credit and, and knowing what you should do, what you shouldn't do, how you can do it, and how you can repair it. And we hear about companies all the time. I'm so good to have, I'm so glad to have Tony Camillari on the phone with me. Tony, welcome to Headlines. How are you? I'm doing great, Frankie. Thank you. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Now, I want, I want first to start off by talking about, and a lot of people don't realize it until they actually need it. And, and I have my daughter, who really will be 23 on tomorrow, um, take a course for teens called How to Handle Your Finances and Credit. Um, and that's something I think we should be talking to young people about so that when you are an adult 
uh, you really understand when you want to do things like purchase a car or you really start looking at credit and how you manage that credit. Talk about, one, what you do, and I want to ask you some questions, and I know that our audience is going to have some questions as well, about credit and how you get your credit together and the like. Awesome. Well, first of all, happy birthday to your daughter. That's exciting. Uh, yeah, well, you know, you mentioned something I want to reference, too, is that you said we don't, we don't know about credit. You know, most people don't understand how credit works. And so there's a couple things we do. We actually have a service that helps educate people on credit. We also have a nonprofit that helps educate the youth in the terms of uh, financial literacy. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't, it's not in our formal uh, education system. That's right. So what we've done is we, we do have a nonprofit that, that helps educate the youth, but what we do for adults that have gotten themselves in situations because they don't have the education is that we have a, uh, a service to help them get on track with building positive credit history, mm -hmm. but also to help with the negative things that have happened in their past, right? Yeah. We, don't, yeah. we don't know. We know better, we do better, but most people get into situations, they start getting credit cards thrown at them and they yeah. get into debt. And so what we do is help people that have gotten in that situation where they might have some collections, they have uh, charge-offs, they might even have repossessions and foreclosures and bankruptcies, whatever it might be that's a derogatory or a negative that is on their credit report, we help them to dispute those negative items. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, And that's a legal right that most people don't know they have that's actually under the Fair Credit Reporting Act. And, of course, that's a long legalese never want to read, but it's just basically to keep it simple, it's a right that every American has to dispute any item that shows up on their credit report well, because those items aren't verified yeah. in the first place. So okay. we can help them. With that. You know, I, I could spend five hours with you. The information and understanding <laughs> this, and I know that the audience is going to enjoy having you on. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. You okay. respond to the answer, and then we'll go from there. Tell Sounds folks great. the difference between a charge card and a credit card. Well, the uh, you know, the charge card in the sense that you you know you basically you're, you're referencing like a debit card correct mm -hmm. a charge card yeah so the, the difference is there is that when you have a charge card you're you're using the money from your bank account you're just transferring money to pay for something and that does not get recorded to the credit bureaus and so when you look at a credit card a credit card is something that you have to qualify for based on your credit score that they give you so much credit so they'll say it's a say it's five hundred dollars you now the comp the credit card company says, we're going to lend you $500 and you're going to pay it back every single month based on a minimum payment. Mm -hmm. And that money, that payment is now going to be reported to the credit bureaus and that's going to then build your credit history. And so that's super important because if you're only using debit cards and not, or credit or charge cards or debit cards, you're not using credit cards, you aren't building credit history. And so it's not helping you. All right. So for example, if you have a department store charge card, let's say a okay. department store versus okay. a MasterCard Visa. Are, is there a difference on that? Yes, there is. Okay. So there's a, there's a big difference because the say, for example, it's a, uh, a charge card from Kohl's or Best Buy or wherever, right? Those department store cards don't give you as much credit in the sense. Now, that doesn't give you much uh, – not credit. That's the wrong term. But it gives you as much uh, benefit in terms mm -hmm. of your credit score because of this. If you have a Kohl's credit card or a Best Buy credit card, you can only use it at their store. Right. If you need to, whereas a, ma a major credit card like Visa, MasterCard, American Express, or Discover, those can be used for anything, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you can charge that money to any anything that you need to, and so it gives you more availability for, for access to, to money. 
And so, therefore, you're going to get better, a better benefit in terms of your credit score. So when people are trying to build credit history, I tell them, open a major credit card versus a department store card. Wow. That's really, really it. All right. Now, here's a question I get from people all the time. One, um, to stay, one, in terms of if you have a credit card, that you should really stay 50% below the maximum? That is correct. So okay. if you have a $1,000 credit card, you want to never let that balance ever go over $500 because then you're going over 50%, and then it's actually it starts to detract from your score. It'll mm-hmm. lower your score. So you always want to keep in mind, I want to at least keep that at 50% or below. And actually, they even teach you below 30% is where you're going to get more of a maximum benefit on your credit score. All right. Yeah, I'll tell you one real quick fact. It was interesting to me is that they did a study. People with credit scores of over 800, which the credit score is maxed out at 850, they found that the average utilization for someone with an 800 credit score was actually below 8% or 8% or below. Oh, really? Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. 8% or below the max on their credit card, right? Correct, yeah. Wow, okay, because I've always, and I've told my daughter, whatever it is that you do, stay 50% below and never pay the minimum. That's correct. Yep. And that will, and that's actually, a, that is a great rule to follow for the for general. But if you're trying to max out your credit score, get the highest, you know, because some people love that, right? I want to have a eight, a high, over 800. Well, that's how you would do it. Keep your utilization, meaning keep your balances below, you know, keep, try to keep it below 30%. But a great rule is below 50 and pay a little bit more than the minimum. Yeah. For you sure. know, one of the reasons is it because they feel as if, if you're like using it, even though you pay it, you pay it on time and as agreed, they they feel like you're really exceeding. It's a debt that you have. It's like you're living off your credit card, and that actually shows up kind of as the negative. Correct, and that's exactly what it's like. It's because you're, you're basically people that are you're wanting to lend money to, which is why they're looking at the credit score. They're saying, "Well, man, this person's always on the edge, so to speak, right? They're always maxing it out. They're always right there. So what happens if something, uh, an incident happens in their life, or an event happens, right? Job loss, sickness, whatever." Now they're gonna they're gonna be in a position where they can't pay this back, but they feel if you're below fifty percent, you still have room, right? Yeah. You still have the availability to take care of what you need to take care of with that credit. So All right, now that's kind of the fun process. Is it ever a good idea? Because once you get the card, which is one of the reasons I say you need, you know, maybe two major credit cards. That's it. You don't need a whole bunch of different credit cards, a whole bunch of different charge cards. Because cutting them up and sending it back is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, if you have like 15 or 20, <laughs> that could probably be a good thing, right? Yeah. But if you're, you know, if you have three, four, five credit cards, do not cut them up. And, and uh, well, cutting them up is not necessarily a terrible thing, but you definitely don't want to call and cancel those because 15% of your, the scoring on your credit score is based on your credit history. So if you've had this credit card for any length of time and you go and close it, you've now just lowered your credit score because you canceled out history. Yeah. So you don't want to do that. So I tell people just use a little bit on these cards. And then, you know, that's going to build your credit. Yeah. I have one I have one department store card that I n- normally don't use. And they will send me a letter and say, you haven't used your card. We're going to cancel you. <laughs> it's like, right. you're not running. And here's the thing. I shop. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? 
purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. At the store all the time, but I just don't charge. So I'll go and buy something for, I'll get like coffee and then I just pay it off and be done. And they leave me alone for about six months. And you know what, Frankie, that does, that actually benefits you because even though it's a department store card, you, you charge it a little bit, you kept it active, it keeps active history that you have, right, that you've built up. And so that's not necessarily a bad thing. And the cool thing is if you're able to maintain it like that, you know, some of these department stores, they actually run specials where they're going to give you discounts because you use their card. So if you play it smart, having good credit cards and good credit and the utilization low can actually make you or save you a lot of money because mm-hmm. of the point system that credit cards have, that's another benefit. Uh, with credit cards or those department store cards. They'll say, hey, if you use our credit card during this holiday season, we're going to give you 10% off. Well, great. You yeah. get it as long as you're using it smartly. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about people who have ended up in collections. Can we talk about that? Sure thing. So here's what I understand. So if you've had a bill, let's just say this scenario. You've had a bill. Um, the bill, you know, is a little bit on the old side. You can actually pay the bill off, and you get a letter from the collections agency. Is it better to contact the original uh, owner of the bill? I guess that's the way I'll say it. Uh, because uh, two things: one, because if you pay the, uh, or or should you just deal with the collection agency? If you can negotiate, is it better to negotiate with the the originator of the bill or with the credit uh, with the collection agency? Well, you know the uh, you the collection agency that's, call, that's calling you. I mean, they bought the debt, so it's actually now they own it. So you want to negotiate with them because the original creditor, they they basically sold it to them. And mm-hmm. so you want to negotiate with them and try to get that down as much as you can and create a settlement. And then what I would always ask is if you pay it, that you say, listen, if I pay this off in full for this amount, will you remove it from my credit report? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. always you know a good idea to ask them that. Now, they don't always do that. Uh, the truth is, so the best thing to do is ask you know you don't get anything you don't ask for right and then at least if you you know and then if you do pay it off then you want to go through a process of disputing that item and then you could potentially get it removed from your credit report as if it never happened Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. one of the biggest things that are it's a a myth or a misnomer is that people think oh i paid that collection off i'm good like that now i'm in the best position possible with that debt and that's not necessarily true because it's still on your credit report as a derogatory it'll say collection paid but it's still there and it still has a negative effect on your credit better Mm -hmm. than not paying it of course yeah but if you have it removed you dispute it there's a good potential to have it off and then now no one ever knows you are ever in collections and it will also raise your score okay all right so another misnomer tell me if this is correct so you have this bill it's nearly seven or eight years and it's time for it to go away if you if you if the if a collection agency contacts you and you make a payment that now starts from the beginning. True? You know, not it, true. Yeah. Well, if you, if you, yeah, if you, if you haven't done anything in seven years and you start paying on it, let's say it's a large debt, you just now make a payment. It does, it does renew it. Okay. Um, and so, when you talk about the reporting of that item, which is the is the key, they can then now. You know, it doesn't always happen. I would say I wish I could say all these things are in black and white, but yeah. a lot of times that will restart the clock, and now you started paying it, and it will it will go through a lot of times. If they don't create a lawsuit, which is a judgment against you, if you ignore it and it goes past seven years because that's the, the statute of limitations, then at that point they can't come after you anymore. All right, true or false, hospital bills are no longer reported to your credit report. 
Uh, they are still reported, but the but what they've done is they've said that the those don't affect your score. Oh, okay. As much as they used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they will be reported, but yet supposedly they're saying this does not it doesn't bring your score down as much as possible. And so I, what I can tell you just from the the reality is that they are on the report, and a lot of people are still disputing them to try to get them off because at the end of the day, regardless if they are you know bringing your score down when you go to purchase something and they see a lot of medical collections some lenders will look at that still as a negative all right so what is a good credit score tony well 850 <laughs> would be great but you know uh, you know honestly if you get over the over 700 that that is uh that's definitely where you want to be mm-hmm. but i know most people they want to know well i want to know how do i qualify for a mortgage right? yeah and i would say if you had a 680 you're in a you're in a decent position to get a good rate and you can buy you'll get a fair a fair percentage on that mm-hmm. now you can get qualified as low as 580 on a mortgage let's say but that's not going to you're going to be paying very high interest on yeah that. so i would shoot for 680 when you're talking about uh you know a mortgage and at least being in a good position 620 is still cr- considered d credit mm-hmm. and so in so, terms of a b c d if we were using grades a 620 would be what grade 620 is a D. Ooh, 620 is a D. Yeah, I know. People so, think, oh, I'm in the 600s. I'm good. No, not necessarily. No, that's a D. So that's 680, a D. 680 is would be what? That's more like a, a B. A B? You know, yeah, yeah, maybe a, maybe a B minus. Yeah. Okay. And so, a B minus. And so a 700 <laughs> is like a B plus. Yeah. And an 800 is an A. Yes, 800 is an A, yes, for sure. All yeah, right. You get an 800, you're getting max. To be honest, if you get 780, you get in the 780 range, you're getting the best rates pretty much on yeah. and And, you know, and people have to understand when you know your credit score, especially when it comes to buying vehicles and things like that, you're just in a different position to negotiate. You know, and I had that conversation recently, you know, with something for my daughter, and I said, this is a want, not a need. And this is and going in and understanding your credit score and you sit down to before you run anything, let me tell you what I have and let me tell you what I'm going to do. And then when they do run your credit and they have this thing that you're interested in getting and you say, no, I'm sorry, I know I can get a better deal than this. We'll just wait 60 days. We'll be back. Wait, 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 wait. No. (laughs) You know what I mean? So talk about how the credit score also affects what a lot of people, even before buying a house, they're going to buy a car, how it affects interest rates. Well, it affects interest rates majorly. I mean, you know, when you go to buy a car, you know, you go in with a, a 700 and you, or you go in with a 520. Those are completely different scenarios. Number, if you go in, number one, if you go in with a 520 or a 550 credit score, 580, you're going to be at the dealership for a long time. They're going to be running your credit to every lender around town trying to find you the best rate. Who's going to, who's going to buy your deal to give you the financing? And you're going to end up having to spend a lot of money out of your pocket to walk away with a car with a super high interest rate, mm-hmm. right? So you might be paying 23% interest. <laughs> now, re- reverse re- reverse that and say you go in with a 700-plus credit score. They're going to say, what car do you want? Mm-hmm. Here are the keys. Sign your name, and you don't have to make a payment for 30 days, and you walk out with a car with just signing your name. Yeah. That, that's the difference in the power of credit. Mm-hmm. And the difference between a 5.9%, 6%, uh, interest rate and a 25% interest rate. Oh, it could be hundreds of dollars. I, you know, of course I deal with a lot of dealerships 
And, you know, some of the people that are really care about people, they say, man, it just it breaks my heart because I know someone just walked out of here with a Toyota Prius spending $300 more a month than they had to spend. Yeah. Right. Because of their credit, all because of that three digit number, their credit yeah. score. Yeah. So what do you want to share with people? I have got to get you on as often as possible. And I want to get you live as well in the studio so that people can call and ask you questions. We'll do that as we get ready to go into the holiday season. And folks want to pull out that plastic to shop. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All right. So what is it that you want people to know? And we'll definitely have you on uh, quite a bit. Well, you know, I really just want people to just be prepared. Always know that you, this is something you should always be thinking about. One, you should always monitor your credit score. You need to know where it's at because you could be doing absolutely everything right. And because of identity theft, which is one of the number one crimes in America right now or across the world, you want to be monitoring your credit so that you do not end up in a position where someone stole your identity and you have a bad credit score because they're charging your credit. Mm-hmm. That's first. The second thing is you mentioned it. Keep your debt on your credit card below 50% at least and watch that. Live below your means. Do not be living off your credit card because you never know when you're going to need credit. I'm going to leave one important thing. People don't even realize their insurance rates are based on their credit score. So they're wondering, man, I have no tickets. I don't this. Everything is good. But why is my uh, insurance so high? It could be linked. It could be linked to your credit score and employment. 60% 60% plus, I think it's 60 to 65% of employers now are running credit Wow! when they vote for job employment or promotion. So you're thinking, oh, well, I have a job. Well, what happens if they something happens and there's a downsizing? Not to, you, didn't, you didn't do anything wrong. You have to go look for a job because you have bad credit. You're now in a bad position. I mean, there's so be prepared is the biggest thing and keep your credit in check. Work on it. Make sure that you're, if you're using debit cards. Use some credit cards a little bit to make sure you're building positive credit history so you get that score up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's just so, it's so, so important. I, even another, another interesting thing. Say you get, you're like, oh, my car's paid up. Everything's good. I don't, I don't, I'm not worried. I've got a car. What happens if you get in, in an accident? Not your fault. Someone runs into you. The car is totaled and now you have to go buy a car, but you got a 520 credit score. And you were, you, before you, when you got the original car, you were paying, a great, you had a great rate. Now you have to go buy a car and pay twenty something percent interest. Mm-hmm, Being mm-hmm. prepared is the is the, yeah. is the is the key to credit. Yeah, you know, Tony, I like to say, live your wage. That's correct. Beautiful <laughs> thing. I love I love that. Live your wage. Live Most your wage. Unfortunately, don't. Yeah, you know, and I want to share this with folks. And I I was talking to my producer not long ago um, that I had no idea this existed. Um, so had a vehicle. Um, and now when you go to buy a vehicle, they talk to you about gap insurance. So you, you get your vehicle, the insurance company covers your vehicle, but in the event it's um, you're in an accident and it only covers, you know. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A certain part of your vehicle, so you get this gap insurance, Tony, and I didn't know this. You get gap insurance to fill in the gap if the car is totaled and it will be covered in full to the finance company, right? So made a trade, traded in a vehicle that was still 
um, had a, you know, I traded it in and it was still, uh, I still owed on the vehicle. But I go in, I trade the vehicle in, and it just so happens the finance company pays off the vehicle. They send me a letter and say I was entitled to that gap insurance back. Right. So I called, so they say, here's who you call, call your insurance company, call the dealership, called the dealership. And the dealership, in fact, said, yeah, we owe you some money. And it was significant. I had no idea that gap insurance, uh, you can get a portion of that back once you trade the vehicle in if you still had a, if it was still being financed. So I just wanted people to know as well about that gap insurance thing. Had no idea until the finance company sent me a letter saying that the the debt was totally paid off um, and that. Uh, I was entitled to this gap insurance back. Had no idea. That's, you know what, that's huge. And you know what, that can actually, I learned about that early on um, where there was an accident. Somebody I knew had an accident and they told me about this. Unfortunately, they were in negative equity, meaning that, you know, if you had, especially if you have a high interest rate, not as much money is going to pay the vehicle down. So if you get in an accident, don't have gap insurance and the car isn't as worth, isn't worth as much as they're saying then, or that you paid for, you now have to pay the difference That's if right. you don't have gap insurance. Yeah. And that could be significant. It could be a couple thousand dollars. And now you're like, I don't have a car. I have to go buy a new one and pay this debt from the car. I just that's, got right. From. that's right. So, so now, that's right. That's a great point. Yeah. And, you know, and, and when they explained it to me, because I say this about insurance and all that, I, when, when I get insurance for whatever it is, and, and they say, this is what you're covered for. I make it a practice, and I've talked to my daughter about this. Okay, this is what I'm covered for. Now tell me what I'm not covered for. Exactly. What That's am I, a beautiful thing. Yeah, you know, what am I not covered? Well, you know, you're not, oh, well, I need that. And, you know, and so they say, oh, you know, might want to consider gap insurance. I'm like, what is gap insurance? Because I sit there and I look at every line. What is that? And <laughs> What is that? And ask questions. Um, and they say, well, the gap insurance covers if the vehicle is total, even if it's not your fault. And I'm like, well, I have full coverage from XYZ Insurance Company. They're like, it doesn't matter. I'm like, so now I have two insurances. But, so I want people to know, if you finance a vehicle um, and you trade that vehicle in, not that it was in an accident because the gap will full, fill that gap, but if you trade that vehicle in, you now in a new vehicle, the finance company pays off the balance of whatever it was you own on that vehicle, you should call the dealership where you purchase it from because you could possibly get some of that gap insurance back. I know I did. That's awesome. That's a great lesson. Yeah, and I just wanted people to know that. So, Tony, thank you so much. Definitely. Well, I appreciate you having me on the call. This was such a pleasure, and it was just so great seeing you last weekend as well at that entrepreneur seminar. And uh, look forward to uh, seeing you and talking to you again soon. Absolutely. Now, how can people connect with you? Well, my uh, they can reach me at my number, 248 229-0235. That's 248-229-0235. And then also they can uh, follow me on Instagram or Facebook at Anthony Camilleri. And my last name is spelled C-A-M-I-L-L-E-R-I. And my Instagram is underscore Anthony underscore Camilleri. Yeah. Listen, I'm going to have you on as we move closer to to the fall season when people, you know, kids are going um, back to school. 
folk kids are going off to college, all that. Then the holidays are right around the corner. And this is always the time of the year where you start thinking about what you're going to do. It's like going on a diet or, or either going to the gym. This is the year I'm going to get my credit together. This is the year I'm going to get my life together. But at some point you have to because it takes a lot of pressure off of you when you learn to live your wage and really just get your financial business and financial house in order. It makes so much sense. It takes it because it's nothing like looking at your phone and not wanting to answer because they got bad credit because you got bad credit and people are looking for you. That's right. Tony, thank you so much. All right. Appreciate you. Have a great day. Thanks, Frankie. I'm Frankie Darcel. It's Headlines. The Democratic presidential debate, which I'm so glad to have Ben Needham with me of the Human Rights Campaign. Hi, Ben. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So give me your synopsis um, and who you thought addressed uh, some critical issues. Well, you know, I think last night's debate was full of qualified candidates, and all of the candidates are more qualified than what we currently have in the White House. <laughs> I think the issues that were uh, that came up that were important was health care. Uh, I think um, Senator Warren and, and Senator Sanders are setting a, a tone around health care, and I think everybody else is trying to carve out a position that is somewhere in the middle. Um, and I think that is where sort of the struggle is right now around the debate about health care. Do we fix the Affordable Care Act or do we go with Medicare for all? Um, and for me right now, I do think that all of the other candidates are trying to carve out sort of a position around Medicare for all mm-hmm. that is similar to Senator Sanders and Senator Warren. All right. Well, uh, I think, go right ahead. I think when it, when it comes to the other issues like immigration, uh, racial equity, uh, I think the candidates all had good points. Uh, but for me, no one just stood out. Mm. Okay. Now, if you were to say the two candidates that came out of last night that you were most impressed with, who would you who would you say those two candidates are? Oh, that is a tough one there. Uh, like, again, they were all great candidates. Uh, I think that uh, Governor Bullock really did what he needed to do last night, and that was show people that he's a serious candidate mm-hmm. uh, and that he had some great ideas. And I think Elizabeth Warren needs to show the reason why she is moving up in the polls uh, and why her ideas are resonating with voters, and I think she did that as well. Uh, but all of the candidates did a great job of sort of communicating their positions, but I think those are the two that did what they needed to do coming into the debate. I'm expecting uh, Vice President Biden to really come out and be stronger than he was in the last debate and really communicate uh, why he is the best candidate to take on Donald Trump uh, and what his ideals are for moving this country forward. I'm expecting him to tie those ideas to the eight wonderful years that he had uh, serving as vice president uh, to President Obama. I'm expecting Senator Harris to still be on an aggressive uh, front. I don't necessarily know if I would call that an attack. I think she's going to be aggressive around getting her issues out there. Uh, and I think Cory Booker is also going to be aggressive about getting his issues out there as well. And I would not sleep on Castro. Uh, mm-hmm. I think uh, he is going to uh, do what he did in the last debate. He's going to wait for all those opportunities that really allows him to shine and really show that he has a great command of policy and understands how government works. Uh, and I think all of the candidates are going to come after Vice President Biden um, based on the latest poll numbers he has 
clearly the front runner based on early polls. And if you're trying to make a name for yourself and get people to notice you, you have to go after the leader. And right now the polls show that he is the leader. All right. Uh, correct me if I'm mistaken, but it sounds like you pretty much leaning Vice President Biden. I'm not leaning or supporting. Uh, I just think that he, this is a debate that is important for him uh, based on his last debate performance. And I think he really has to shine and show why the polls are saying he is the front runner. Mm-hmm. I think that he has two options, shining and being the, the candidate that he has been over his career, or he can come out of this a little bit more damaged. And I think his campaign, based off everything that they've been putting out, are saying that he is prepped, that he is ready, uh, and that he is going to show up and show you why he is the front runner. All right. Um, So talk about the HRC and uh, what the organization's agenda is, what they would like to see in 2020 in a candidate, whoever that candidate might be. Well, we would definitely hope that a question around LGBTQ equality and or the Equality Act comes forward. Mm-hmm. Our agenda is making sure that we endure, making sure that we support a candidate that is pro equality. And the great thing about this is that all twenty candidates on that stage and all of the Democratic candidates are supportive of LGBT equality. Uh, we are going to be pushing for the Equality Act in twenty twenty one when there is hopefully a new uh, president that will sign it and a new Senate that will uh, move it through the process and join the House and, and pass the Equality Act. Mm-hmm. That is our number one thing. It provides protections to the LGBTQ community, yeah. but it also goes a little bit further. It it adds um, sexual orientation and gender identity to the Civil Rights Act of 1964, and it goes in and clean up some things that uh, do not address uh, discrimination against women uh, and some things that do not dis- uh, address discrimination against black people. Mm-hmm. For example, black people, if, if you live in a major city and you've tried to hail a cab, uh, you know that that cab would go right by you and stop and pick up a, another uh, passenger before picking up, especially a black male. Well, that's discrimination no matter how you look at it. Right now, there's no recourse for that. And the Equality Act will make, um, will give people a means of how to rectify that discrimination mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. is not part of the protected class right now. Yeah. You know, I, this, listen, I tried to never advocate for the, for the devil, so I'm going to be the angel's advocate. Let me just go back to something that you commented on, and this is going to be my last question. Do you think that there's just an assumption that each of the candidates will address the issues of the LBGTQ community and not have to address them on a national platform, quite frankly, an international platform like the debate? Yeah, you know, I think that because where all the candidates stand around LGBTQ issues, uh, people don't think that it is an issue. And while they are similar in their support of the LGBTQ community, I still think that they need to be communicating with LGBTQ voters. And 2018, the LGBTQ voters uh, made up 8% of the electorate. We are going to help decide who the next president of the United States are. And if you're not talking about the issues that are not important to us, you create an opportunity for us to stay at home or, or, or not turn out and vote in, in real numbers. And so I do hope that the candidates will do that. And I will think that the candidates will find a way to talk about issues that are important to us. Yes. Now, I do say this. LGBTQ people, we are across the spectrum, and while the Equality Act is important to us, while violence in our communities, and especially uh, our trans uh, community of color, 
black women, black trans women are important to us. We also care about education. We also care about Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, immigration and and all the big issues out there as well. And so in a sense, we are um, hearing things that we would like to hear from them based on things that are important to us. But we do want them talking about why LGBTQ voters should be supporting them based Mm -hmm. on our lack of protections that are across this country. Yeah. How do you have a conversation? How do you have a conversation with a Republican member of the LGBT community who supports this president? Have you had that? I can only imagine. Uh, (laughs) I I can only imagine. Yeah, that is a little tough. Um, You know, we all bring different issues to the table. I am a black gay man, and so generally my number one issues are how things are affecting me as a black man first, Mm -hmm. uh, and then how things are affecting me as an LGBTQ person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Thankfully, those issues are very close, and there are there's not a wide span between what's first and second there. I just, for me, when I walk into a room, I walk into that room as a black man. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so I think that with Republican LGBTQ voters, they are concerned about issues that they care about. And then so if you are a conservative voter that cares about pro-life issues, who cares about um, tax credits for wealthy Americans, uh, who cares about you know the traditional Republican values – then this president is giving you those conservative things. Yeah. Um, and, and quite frankly, you don't care around sort of the talk out there. You care about the actions. And so yeah. I think that is the reason why uh, there are LGBTQ voters that support uh, the president. And again, LGBTQ people are conservatives and progressives, and we are liberal, and we are Democrats, and we're Republicans. Right. And, you know, we got some independents out there as well. Mm-hmm. All right, great. Ben Needham is my guest of the HRC. Listen, I hope that, and I can always get to you by talking to uh, Lucas, but I would love to continue to keep this dialogue going through 2020. Absolutely, absolutely. We got a long road ahead of us before we get to a nominee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can say we have some great candidates on the Democratic side that are all pro-equality, uh, but we just want to hear more about um, their stances and what they, uh, how they plan to uh, ensure equality for all in this country. All right, great. Ben Needham, thank you, sir. Appreciate you calling. Thank you so much. Frankie Darcel with you. And, of course, we are all watching uh, the debate um, representing the Democratic National Convention. Hochi Inohosa is on the phone. Did I get that pretty right? Am I close? Uh, you're very close. It's Sochi. <laughs> well, good. So you were there at the Fox Theater. Your thoughts? I sure was. You heard a debate that focused on policy. You heard ideas from all parts of the country. We have candidates who you have Steve Bullock, you have Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, and the list goes on. They talked about health care. They talked about immigration. They talked about gun violence. Um, they talked about climate change. And you heard the candidates talk about their plans. You heard a very substantive discussion. And I think it was a pretty stark contrast compared to Republicans and compared to the issues that they talk about every day. And I want to remind you, just four years ago, um, there was a debate at the Fox Theater where the Democratic debate is being held Mm -hmm. where they were talking about hand size. And you didn't hear that from Democrats. (laughs) Right, right, right. A very substantive discussion. So we were very pleased with that. All right. So so let's talk about the Democratic National Committee in particular. 
um, moving yeah. forward, some of the uh, chatter uh, amongst pundits uh, talking about, you know, narrowing down the feel um, in, in what they're uh, looking forward to in terms of making sure that the ideas of the Democratic Party are going to be represented. How, how, how much conversation uh, is the DNC having with the candidates? Any at all? We talk to the candidates on a regular basis um, about our debate rules um, and any questions that they have around that. But one of the things that we were very clear in this process is we announced in December that before most of the candidates had gotten into the race, that the first two debates would be in June and July. And then we announced the threshold, um, the qualifying threshold for the September debate and the October debate Mm -hmm. in May. And there we announced that the threshold would essentially double. Right now, you have to pull at at least one percentage rear more polls. Mm-hmm. And the for September and October, you will now have to show some progress in your campaign and pull at 2% in four or more polls. Mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. we've some, introduced something that is a little different for these debates, and that is grassroots fundraising. We've seen a lot of momentum around grassroots fundraising, those small-dollar donors that fuel these campaigns. And we um, set a threshold of 65,000 unique donors for the June and July debates. Now, we doubled that to 130 for the September and October debates. Mm -hmm. So it's not something that is extremely easy to hit, but at the same time, you must show progress. Right. um, and it's not impossible either. And so we're really excited about that. And our next debate is in Houston, Texas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what is it that you want to share with the audience? We know that Michigan and Pennsylvania in particular are going to be um, and past 16 going back to um, going back to 18. Um, the Democrats did wonderfully. But uh, still, Michigan um, is still a battleground state. What are you guys seeing in terms of some of your polling or the momentum? What is the DNC doing to really close Michigan uh, come 2020? You're absolutely right. Both Michigan and Pennsylvania are key battleground states, and we recognize that. And we saw in the last election that Democrats did well in the 2018 midterms Mm -hmm. because we organized everywhere. We invested in some of these places. We showed up. We were talking to voters. And also we're seeing at the same time that voters are sick of Donald Trump's tweets. They don't like the fact that he is attacking African-American women, women of color, um, and and African-American leaders. As, um, as I should correct myself, and women of color, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that he is, instead of providing for them, right? And so I think that the, the contrast is very clear. And so what we're doing here, preparing for the presidential election, we have 45 organizers on the ground in Michigan, and we have organizers on the ground um, as well in Pennsylvania and key battleground states that Trump won. And I think that it is an important signal for this debate to be in a place like Michigan because it just shows that Democrats are going to take the fight to Donald Trump. Yeah. Okay. Last last thought. I would love to just hear you thought because you may mention uh, particularly of the comments made by the president uh, about women of color in particular, but it was suburban women in both Pennsylvania 
and in Michigan, especially some of those rural areas um, in mid-Michigan, um, who weren't really concerned about color, who were either independent or Republican, That more specifically, I should say, some Democratic and independent women in those suburban communities who voted for Donald Trump last time. You know, I'm not sure that those are the individuals that will necessarily jump ship because of his tweets about women of color. Um, so there's some conversation in those communities. I'm just in, I'm just curious as to, you know, what are those? Those are really the battleground counties, Oakland County, um, far mm-hmm. north, Macomb County in Michigan, mm-hmm. and then uh, in Pennsylvania talking about Lower Marion um, and the like. What kind of conversation is going on there? Well, first of all, the important part is we need to show up, and that's what we're doing. We can't take that we can't take that vote for granted, and we can't also we also can't show up the October before an election. Mm-hmm. And so we realize that, and we learned some mistakes from the past, yeah. and we understand that showing up and having a conversation with people, an ongoing dialogue until the 2020 election, is important in order to win. But we've all, we're also hearing that healthcare and the economy continue to be two of the top issues in communities. And this was important for the 2018 election. People want to make sure that they have a good paying job, that they're able to put food on the table, and that they are able to provide for a better life for their children. They also want to make sure that they, if they have to go to the emergency room, they don't, they have health insurance, right? And that they have access to health, affordable health insurance. And so we continue to see those being the issues, and especially the cost of prescription drugs, which continue to skyrocket. And, you know, I think that if Democrats continue to focus on those issues, then we will be successful in those areas. All right. That's exactly what we did in 2018, and that is our plan for 2020. All right, great. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. All right, bye-bye. All right, bye. I'm Frankie Darcel. It's Headline. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Headlines with Frankie Darcel. The comments and opinions expressed on the show are those of the guest and not of iHeartMedia or the management of 105.3 WDAS-FM. Join us again next Sunday at 7 a.m. for another compelling hour of topics important to you on Headlines with Frankie Darcel. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.